take us into a story this morning. It might be a familiar story or character that you're familiar with. And um, it goes into the scriptures. And actually, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, write about this one woman in the scriptures. And it's interesting that in the scriptures, it doesn't, they don't actually give her name. They just give her label. And they label her based upon her physical condition called the woman with the issue of blood. Now, you might sit here and say, the woman with the issue of blood, I'm familiar with that scripture, I'm familiar with that person, but I believe that if we just take a little bit of time, we can go in and pull some other things, nuggets maybe that will help us throughout this year, but I want you to see something about this woman with the issue of blood. She really had identified herself based upon this label, based upon this condition. She had come to the place where she had, because of that condition, she was isolated, she had come to that place not only when she isolated, she saw herself as unclean constantly. She saw herself as unworthy. She came to this place where she really uh, was forced to become an outsider to society. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in that position where you're kind of on an island to your own, in a sense not by choice, but because someone has put you there and you feel alone and feel like being an outsider... And if you could just have that one person that would come along and say that one word to you that would make a difference in your life forever, you're looking for that person. You'll go to every extent there is possible, financial, whatever, just to get that. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been where, man, things, life can get crazy at times. And the weight of life can be real heavy at times. You ever been to a football game and sitting on the bleachers and, you know, every, the crowd's around you, everybody's around you, cheering and excited for their team. And then their team all of a sudden scores a touchdown, but because of something you were going through that day, because of something maybe you were going through, maybe a husband and wife dispute, maybe you just feel like there's nobody around you, you're sitting there, and all of the, the roar that's going on, you still feel like, oh man, I'm just, I'm no, they, people don't even know I exist. And the touchdown happens, and they start screaming and shouting, and you're still sitting there, and you're going, man, if that one person could just walk up to me. And tell me just that one thing that would change my life forever. Would they do it for me today? And that's kind of where this person, this lady, this woman, labeled as the woman with the issue of blood, that's really kind of where she is in this moment of her life. And I want to take us into Mark's account. I said that there were three accounts, but Mark's accounts really gives us a little bit more information. Why? Because if you've ever read the scriptures, if you've ever read Matthew or Mark or Luke, they're very different in how they write. Matthew's that guy that gives you the blip. He's the guy that I probably like most of the time. He just, he ain't got much to say. He just tells you just enough. And then Luke's this guy, this, he's a physician, so he's going to give you all of the medical technical detail. But then there's this Mark, and everybody in this room knows a Mark. They got a lot to say, and they don't shut up, and they just keep talking. But you get, a lot from, you, get a lot of, you get a lot of information that's important. I don't know if you've ever read any one of those three books. It's interesting. Matthew's book is the longest, in a sense. Why? Because he, he says it quick, and he's got more time to say a whole lot. Luke and John, I don't, John's not who we're going to tonight, but all of their books are, you know, they're, 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 they're normal. But Mark, it's a short book, in a sense, compared to the other three. But he says so much in that moment. And I want to take you into his account of this woman with the issue of blood. Go with me this morning to Mark chapter 5. Let's start there. I'm going to be in the Passion Translation majority of this service. And I want to start here in verse 21. And there's a couple key things I want you to see as we begin to read it. I'll point them out to you. 
So you'll be able to follow along. But verse 21 begins reading this way. And after Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd. Everybody say a huge crowd. Uh, like this, a huge crowd. Now this is important to this story. Because you're going to see a reference to this huge crowd multiple times. And it makes an impact on a couple different places here in our scripture. Gathered around him on the shoreline, just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. And his name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, please, come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. You can imagine the agony or the grief that he's going through. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed. Everybody say, the huge crowd followed. Pressing in on him on, from all sides. We have a story beginning to set up here with us. We have characters. We have a setting. We have a plot. Right now, our characters are Jesus. We have a huge crowd. And we have Jairus. We have a setting. What's the setting? Well, it started on the shoreline. But now it's moving away from the shoreline, and it's a whole crowd of people with Jairus, who's a leader of the synagogue, by means. I want to make sure to point that out. And they're following Jesus, and they're going to see this little girl healed. Everybody's expecting and believing with her. And then the plot of what you see is simply that. Jairus came to Jesus, and he said, look, my daughter, help me, Lord, help me, Jesus. And you know, it's interesting if you point this out, that Jairus, being a leader of the synagogue, I'm sure it says that he pushed through the crowd, but I'm sure that there were people in this crowd that knew he was the leader of the synagogue, and so they weren't necessarily getting in his way or keeping him from getting there. They probably were moving out of the way a little bit, but he was still pushing through. But right here at this point, if you go with me to <clears throat> verse 25, we see a little conflict show up. We see another added character to our story. I like to call it the story within the story. You see, this is where the woman with the issue of blood, her label, she's never given her name, is mentioned right here in this story. In verse 25, it says, Now in the crowd, everybody said the crowd. In the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. And it's interesting to note here, if I can just kind of begin to talk to you a little bit about her, because she's going to be our focus. We're going to move away from the little son or daughter that's getting ready to be here. We're going to move away from that just a minute, and let's just talk about this story in the middle of the story. Here's this woman. She's been sick, been hemorrhaging, the, another word for that, bleeding for 12 years. Hemorrhaging would be the word that would be used. And this is beyond the, the, the normal time, respectfully saying, of, of woman, where it's once maybe a month. This is not that kind of setting. This is something that's going on continually. The Bible says for 12 years, it's nonstop. In other words, it's incurable. And you can see what happens here because in Jewish law, back in Leviticus chapter 15, if you ever want to go read it, you can see there was a ceremonial religious uh, uh, expectation with someone that was ever in this position, even just for seven days of normal time. But we have someone that's 12 years. And here she is in this crowd, and what this is defined as, the Bible says that if you, if you study Jewish law, she's really not even supposed to be in this crowd. Not only is she not supposed to be in this crowd, some commentaries tell you she should be coming through this crowd yelling or saying or at least acknowledging, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, but we don't see that here. Not only is she supposed to maybe be doing that, she comes to this place, she's not even supposed to be touching anyone or being touched. 
Because if she touched anyone, Bryce, stand up here. If she just, just brushed up against someone, they would be labeled unclean just as well, and they would have to go through the Levitical ceremonial religious way of cleaning for seven days and isolate themselves. She'd been isolated for 12 years. Anything she would sit down on would be the same, would become unclean to her. Not only that, she had already really come to this place that she had realized that she was really um, unworthy in a sense in her heart. I want to point this out too. She Not only that, she's cut off from society. She, she lives outside of town. She's not allowed to live in town. I don't know what her story was prior to this moment. I, I don't know her history, but if you can just... I like to maybe... You know, kind of imagine a little bit bigger than just this moment. What if she had family? You know she does, but she's not, she's not allowed to even be with her family. She can't be around them. She's isolated into a town, a place of her own. What if she had a husband? What if she had kids? We don't know. We don't know that. I Forgive me, I've not studied to see what her age was, but just think about it. She couldn't be around any of this. And here's this woman that shows up in the middle of our story of the story, and this becomes an integral part of defining who Jesus can be in your life. We've got a little bit more about who she is, too. Go with me to look at verse 26 and listen to what it says. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. Yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but actually she was getting worse. What that tells me is that she was really, if I can use this phrase, left for broke. She had no money. She spent everything she had. But in her situation, you would be willing to spend all that you had, looking for that one thing, that one moment, sitting on the bleacher, just somebody to tell me something, do something that would help me, that would redeem me back into society because she's not allowed in society. And so the doctors, and let's just say there's some of both, maybe there were some doctors that took advantage of this and knew that this was incurable, took money for it. I'm sure there were good doctors as well doing their best to help her. Either way, we have a young woman that spent all that she had, 12 years, and here she is in this place with no answer. She could be bitter. She could be angry. But to the crowd, again, she was labeled. To the crowd, she was this woman with the issue of blood, with no name. Can you imagine the identity that was, I, would love, I can't wait to get to heaven to know her name. I don't know if even her name would make as big as impact as what I'm seeing here in her physical condition that Jesus looked totally through this condition you'll see here in a minute. He never saw it. You see that here in the next verse. Look at what happens when, in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, everybody say, when she heard when she heard about the healing power of Jesus, now we can teach on the healing power side of this all day long and see that there is a formula process to getting divine healing into our lives and into our bodies. But there's a bigger story here than just physical healing. She says, when I came in contact, she said, when I heard about Jesus, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched the prayer shawl, or some translations say the hem of his garments. Now go with me. She's not supposed to be here. She's supposed to be yelling and saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. She's in a crowd of people all going after a, a, good, a, a, a good cause to see a young girl healed. Following after a, a Jewish leader that had just some, done something very similar. Can you imagine what she's doing? It says she pushed through the crowd. And, and I like to picture it like this. I bet the way she was responded to, I know, and maybe I shouldn't say I know. 
I would want to think that there were some people in this crowd that knew who she was based upon her label. And there were some that didn't. This is a huge crowd of people. But here, let's just go with this thought that there were some people that knew who she was. And here she comes through this crowd and she's kind of bunching and just pushing and just kind of slipping up in there. And, and, and she, just, she just kind of gets up. See, her mindset is unclean. She's unworthy. She doesn't even feel worthy enough to go wrap her arms around Jesus. She just says, if I can just touch just a piece, just a piece of him, I'll be made clean. And why is that impacting to us? Because sometimes society and religion has a way of defining you by labels to make you feel so unworthy that you don't feel like you even have an option out in front of you. And would they even be? I like to look at it this way. She had two options right here. She had two options of choice to accept the label that society had given her and to really allow, listen, if people can label you, they can define who you're going to be. Or you could have option number two, and I'm so glad she chose option number two. two mo a moment in this time, right here at this moment, one option, two options. And she had the option. When she had heard of Jesus, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Don't you think, go with me, don't you think it would have been a little bit easier? You'll see it here in this next verse. It would have been easier for her to just, and just kind of slip back off into the crowd. And just, oh, let me read our scripture. Listen, listen. Matthew, Mark 5, 28 through 29. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I will be healed. As soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Mark 7, 7 says this. Anyone who knocks, the door is open. But her mindset didn't know this. Her heart understanding didn't know this. Now that I've brought you into this story, I've brought you into this story within to the story. You don't have time to go much deeper, but I want to take you right into the conclusion because the conclusion of this story begins to tell you and I how much purpose and how much value you have on this earth look into our next verses Mark 5 30 through 34 Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed there is never a limited supply of power coming from Jesus for anyone it's not based on how good you are. It's not based on what church you go to. It's not based on whether you made a mistake or no mistake. Guarantee everyone in this room made mistakes before you walked into this room. I cut some lady off on the way to church this morning. My wife's yelling at me. You should have let her in. You should have let her in. Almost messed up my whole sermon. Just label me. I'm a woman cutter offer in the traffic. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. But Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd, looking for the one who had touched him for healing. Listen. When the woman... Oh, my gosh. When the woman who experienced the miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear. Why? Because in her eyes, in her heart, she's unworthy. 
in her heart, in her eyes, she's unclean. She's been defined by society. She's been defined by religion. Twelve long years, this is who she's been. Do you think she went to Jesus thinking he was just going to be totally accepting to her? No. I guarantee you she was wondering. That, look, she, she went up to Jesus. She went like this. She couldn't even look at Jesus. because She was afraid that he would tell her, Daughter, I don't have time for you. I'm going to heal another little girl. And could you imagine some of the crowd saying, you go back to where you were. We don't have time. Look, there's nothing we can do for you. You've been labeled. You're not even supposed to be here. We got to go heal this little girl. And Jesus has time for everybody. He goes on and says, as we get ready to conclude this part of the story, then Jesus said, daughter, because you dared to believe. Everybody say dared to believe. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. He didn't heal just her body. He healed her heart first. Because she dared to believe. She was freed from her label, her past and her present. He sees who you've been created to be. Listen to me. Here's what happened to this woman. (laughs) She was welcomed back into society. Because society didn't define her anymore. Her label of shame, her label of unworthy, her label of unclean. For 12 years, this woman carried a label that was given to her by society and religion. Do you know that these words of labels have voices to them? And they're loud. And they're trying to define who you are. Maybe at one point in your life, I know these words are tough, but it's a label that's tough. It wants to tell you this is who you were, that you're unclean, you're unworthy to even be in the house of God because this is a part of your life that goes way back, but it's not the now. Maybe you're ashamed. The voice screams loud every time you walk outside and there's people that know who you were, know how you acted, know what your life lived. Maybe just last night and you're ashamed, but every time you get up in the morning, your heart's still trying to do the right thing. Come on now, look at somebody say, we've all been this. The the voice of failure. The voice of label of failure. There's not a person in this room that's never failed. (laughs) And here's the result. The enemy is constantly trying to pull you away from the very people that can make a difference in your life and get you isolated to a place where you can't even see that you can have what this woman had when she touched the hem of that garment. I've got an invitation to you today. Maybe, maybe this is where you were. Maybe this is who they try to, how many have ever had this one try to define you? They say, once you were, you always will be. You got too much energy, you need to settle down. Let me give you this to help you out. You're a no good nobody. You're not worthy. Your life doesn't, you'll never matter up to anything. These voices come through family, come through friends, come from moms, come from dads, come from people around you. How long are we going to allow those outside? You see, this woman pressed through the crowd 
and stopped allowing what was on the outside to, to define her and begin to allow the very thing that changed her on the inside to define her. And she became clean. I want to invite you to sit down with me one more time. I want every head bow, every eye closed this morning just out of respect. I'm asking you and inviting you, maybe today could be a day that you choose to push through a crowd. A crowd of people around you right now. She was willing to give up everything just for this one place and time. Just maybe, just maybe this would work. And she proved to us that when you knock on that door, that door was immediately open. Maybe that's a place that you came to in your life and maybe today and you're thinking, you just don't know, Pastor. You have no clue. You have no clue. And you're right, I don't. But I do know the one that does. And the one that does looks beyond what you know, what we know. Looks beyond the labels of society. Looks beyond the labels of religion and only sees the potential of you. Never sees you unclean. Only sees the clean you. And I'm inviting you right now to maybe think about that just with me for a few minutes. There was a time in my life where, hey, I, I, I walked and I lived for God, and, but then I walked away. But then there came a moment where I pressed through and I got back on to a place. You know, the religious term for me back then was I backslid and I just slid right back. Man, that's pretty much how it was for me. I had to slide in. But ever since that day, I've never been disappointed in a sense of knowing how much he loves me. And maybe that's a person that's in here this morning. You've never known how much someone could love you so much. People have told you that have walked completely away. You're alone on this earth. But with Jesus in your life, you are never alone on this earth. And as you're thinking about maybe that place, maybe pushing through this moment and this time of this service, I'm just going to invite you to say a prayer with me. Maybe this could be a day that it's a turnaround and a turnaround moment for you where you stop letting society define who you are <laughs> because God defines who you are now. And you're not, you're not concerned about who you'll see as soon as you cross the threshold of that door because you know what? I, 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 it doesn't matter to me now because my God that has purpose for my life brought freedom into the life of this woman wants to bring freedom and has purpose on my life and now that's who defines me would you pray with me this morning say Father God right now I identify with this woman I press through the moment with this crowd I want to touch Touch Jesus. I invite him into my heart. And I know as of right now, I'm set free. I'm clean.